0: Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast, a convenient place where you can stay up-to-date on what's popular in the swine industry. By listening to Popular Pig, you will receive invaluable information on the latest trends, news, and research from various experts that guide the global pork industry. Today's episode is brought to you by sponsors like SwineWeb.com, your one-stop destination for all of the latest swine news, commentary, videos, events, and industry hot topics in animal health and feed. Log on to swineweb.com today. And innovative heating. The manufacturer of HogHearth, the most energy efficient and only antimicrobial heat mat for the swine industry, reduced maintenance costs and lower your electric bill today. For more information, visit hoghearth.com.
1: Welcome to the Popular Pig podcast. My name is Matthew Rota, your host for today's episode. Today, We're going to be talking about minimizing the impact of COVID-19 on your farm and the current status of ASF in Europe. Joining me today is Dr. Shane McCullough. How are you doing today, sir?
2: Good. Thank you, Matthew. I'm I'm very well. Hello from Ireland.
1: Hello. So we had the opportunity to meet back in uh, Dublin uh, uh, just about a year ago now. And then a couple times in the U.S. Uh, how, yeah. how have you been since we last saw each other at the swine welfare symposium?
2: Yeah. So yeah, the last time I met you was at the in Minneapolis at the, the pig welfare symposium. It was my last time in the U.S. Uh, since then, being quite good. The the market is is has been doing well in Ireland for for some time um up until recently i suppose um but yeah things things have been going good a lot better than than last year certainly
1: so would you mind telling us a little bit about your story and how okay. you became integrated with the swine industry
2: yeah so i suppose i've been involved in it all my life my um my grandfather jack um he passed away in 1992 so I was two years old when he passed away, but he was the first um, first McAuliffe to be involved in pig production. Uh, where he came from here in County Kerry in the southwest of, of the country is quite mountainous, hilly terrain and um, very heavy soils, high rainfall. And, you know, he had, he had spent a lot of time and a lot of effort trying to drain the land to kind of make it suitable for dairy production, for milking cows. And it just wasn't working. The, the soil was just pure peat, pure, pure black soil. And um, he tried bring chickens for a while. And he, um, unfortunately, a, a chicken house burnt down. And then he went and tried his hand at pigs and he bought a few pigs at the market and he was fattening them up. And then um, into the 70s then, he expanded quite rapidly, built new pig farms here in, in County Kerry and across in, in County Cork as well. Um, and then when he died in 92, my father Mike took over. And now at the moment, we have um, four different pig farms, um, 2,000 sows and rearing about 50,000 uh, pigs a year. Um, So they're all new, integrated, modern units. The oldest one now, I suppose, is is 20 years old. That was built um, new in in the year 2000. Um, We also have uh, Ireland's first freedom farrowing farm, loose farrowing. Um, We built that farm in 2014, 2015. Um, And then we have our our main unit then is is 1000 sows. And uh, I also have our own feed mill as well. Um, and my father is also the CEO of, of a brand called Truly Irish. And this was set up about just over 10 years ago. Um, a large number of pig farmers in, in Ireland came together to have their own brand. And uh, it's basically what it is it's, it's not, it doesn't compromise quality for profit. And it is a very, very much a premium brand. Um, you're able to link the products back to individual farms because in Ireland we have quite unique DNA tracing uh, of our pig meat. Um, so basically, the farmer has fun- full control of his product thanks to the um, thanks to this brand. So That takes up quite a lot of my father's time. Um, I did agriculture originally. Uh, a BSc in agriculture uh, for three years. Then I went uh, did my honours degree in. Um, in agricultural land management. I went to Wales then to do a postgrad in livestock sciences, and I just finished a master's in pig health with the Royal Veterinary College in London. And I I spent a few years there, and my my thesis was on associations between disease status and performance, antibiotic use, and biosecurity on on Irish pig farms. Um, I also work Um, part-time. I spent a few years in the veterinary industry working with a company called Interchem, And they were uh, veterinary distributors for uh, products, veterinary and and pig vaccines from SIVA and from HIPRA to to major multinationals. And then more recently, in the last two years, I've worked part time for Easy Fix Ireland. And they're a company who specialise in livestock comfort because I said to myself, look, I've always been interested in welfare. I've done my time in the veterinary industry. I want to spend some time doing welfare before going back home full time so what I do with with easy fix is developing their range of enrichment products around the world and and working with with our dealers that we have around the world and of course I'm able to do a lot of research here on our own farms using using the products Um, in addition to that and and our own farms I do a lot of work in the industry Um, I'm on the, the Irish farmers association national pig committee where I look after mainly health and welfare issues. So, you know, lobbying the government, working with the authorities on on things like African swine fever and, and welfare issues. Um and also a few other industry roles as well. So that's basically how I got stuck in pigs. It's kind of been there all my life, really. I don't know, I don't know any different. Like we have cattle as well. We have a lot of cattle and we have a lot of farms that are, are grass based. But it's it's for me it's the pigs, that's all I know. <laughs>
1: And you're calling from your farm today, right? That That's uh, yes, it's not your stomach in the background, that's pigs, no,
2: right? No, I'm, I'm up in the viewing area, <laughs> our, our public viewing area. So it looks down onto our, our dry sow house. It's an area that we have where we bring um, visitors in. So if I have a, a, a large group of visitors coming to the farm, I bring them up here to the to the public viewing gallery because they're able to look down onto the sow house and look at the pigs without having to actually come into the farm and, and uh, get in contact with the pigs.
1: That's pretty neat. So one thing that was interesting uh, to me was the differences that exist between uh, European pork production and American pork production. Uh, specifically, yeah. would you mind talking about some of the differences that that you see between Irish pork production and American pork production? Even talking a bit about that that DNA tracking that you had who had mentioned yeah. because that sounds pretty pretty fascinating.
2: Yeah. So I suppose starting with with the DNA trace back, what that is is basically the DNA of every single Irish boar is kept on a national database. And that means that the IFA, the Irish Farmers Association, can go into restaurants and supermarkets, um, all around the country. They can pick up a piece of of, of pork or bacon, they can take it to the lab. And they can do uh, DNA tracing on it to see if it matches any board that's in the database. So effectively, it's able to tell if grocery stores, if, if restaurants, if hotels are using Irish pork or if they're using imported pork. Because in Ireland, we're very much attached to agriculture. We are a very a, a big farming nation. And um, if if you're not a farmer yourself, then your uncle or your cousin or your grandparents might be farmers so buying irish is a very very big thing for irish consumers so if you heard about a, a restaurant or a hotel that was serving you imported pig meat you would be very shocked about it so you know these these food service establishments do not want bad press like that so it's been a very <laughs> successful thing for the last 10 years and um, the use of irish pig meat has has certainly gone up there's less imported product going into the market. Um, so it's been a very successful policing tool and it's certainly added quite substantial uh, cents per kilo onto our, onto our price. That's for sure.
1: So what does the life of the pig look like then? How does that differ from American, to, from American pork production to Irish pork uh, production?
2: Very, very much the same. Um, we would slaughter our pigs at about six months of age. We don't castrate them. Boar change is an issue here. Um, so they're being slaughtered at about 100 a, a kilos. Um, so very much s- quite similar to, to most of the rest of the world, except for the fact we don't castrate. Um, our production systems then, um, as um, for Ireland in a European context, we actually have the highest average herd size. Your average Irish pig herd has about 700 to 750 sows in it. Um, which is well above the European average. So what we have in Ireland is we have very modern commercial pig farms, but very very few of them. So in total, we have 150,000 sows in the country, but in terms of individual farmers, then you're looking at maybe between 200 to 250 individual farmers. A lot of farmers might own a couple of a couple of farms like ourselves. So um, our, the number of commercial farms is maybe. Just over 300, I think 300, 350. So it is quite a small country in, in, a, in a broad context. But, you know, last year we exported well in excess of 900 million euros worth of, of, of pig meat exports. This year we were looking on track to be exporting 1 billion for the first time. It's been growing year on year. We're, we're exporting more and more, um, more and more markets opening up um you know especially southeast asia Um china of course is a major major export market for us so yeah we, we are an exporting nation when it comes to pig meat i think one 192 percent self-sufficient I, I believe i think that's the the official figure in in terms of self-sufficiency
1: that's a nice place to be yeah certainly so how does how does the uh how has the market addressed COVID-19 in
2: Ireland? Well, I suppose for January, for February, we, everything was quite stable. We were at a, an average of about €1.96 uh, a kilo. And at the moment now, as of this week, we're at one eighty one. So we're down almost like 16 cents. So I converted that into US dollars for, for your Amer- your US listeners and we are getting an average of $1.98 um, per kilo for our pigs at the moment now that's 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 fairly low compared to the, some of our european counterparts and um, in us dollars um, germany is at 213 denmark 221 um so it, it has been falling back the last couple of weeks Um, But then, you know, the market is very stable. Other than that, um, the the short-term outlook looks positive. Retailer demand is certainly up. Um, Like an issue we, we have, of course, that we can't deny is the fact that restaurants and hotels are closed. That'll have an impact, the food service. But of course, a lot of the food service had been using imported pork, the cheaper cuts so um in terms of our retailers that's where the irish our ira our domestic irish pygmy goes so demand is up because people are shopping they're not eating out they have to go to the to the, to the shops to get the, their pygmy. Sense. that that's a benefit that we're seeing um in in terms of europe then you know it's it is very uncertain because with with the COVID 19 we're literally taking every day as it comes um you know, there are worries about the, the borders in Europe, for example, let's say um closed borders, pigs need to travel. In Europe, a lot of, um, countries actually finish their pigs in other countries. So Denmark, for example, their sow herd is is quite large, but most of their pigs are actually finished in Germany or in Poland. The same with with the Dutch; they're sending a lot of their pigs to be finished in Germany. So you're worried about closure of borders, and you're worried about the movement of of pig meat as well, and if it's being held up at the borders, how that affects the shelf life, and that's changing, you know, not only pork but other other products and eating habits. You know, if you're looking at fruit, a lot of fruit is picked by seasonal workers. People can't travel now. Our airports, a lot of our airports in Europe are closed. There's no flights. People can't travel in, into countries to get, uh, to go, to, to do seasonal temporary work. So it's it's very hard to say what will happen. Um, but our bets and our hopes are on China because China is in recovery. And, um, you know, that, that is, is what we're relying on is China. Um, but it, you know, it, it's, it's just so hard to tell. Um, another thing, of course, if we're looking at the summer, you know, you have your traditional barbecue season in Europe where all these people mm-hmm. go to their public parks to have all these, you know, these big events and people are, are cooking barbecues. But of course, we're on lockdown now and, and we might not have that if, if countries don't, um, don't uh, uh, go back to normal. So that's a worry as well. Um, but but in hindsight there is high demand for sausages and, and bacon the the easy cuts that people can cook at home you know no one is going to be going out buying shoulders of pork you know or or um, cooking pulled pork because pulled pork is traditionally something you'll eat in restaurants so you know people people are, are cooking a lot of sausages and a lot of bacon um, and also of course Europe is a big tourist uh, a big tourist area you know southern Europe Spain Italy Greece all these countries, you know, uh, millions of people around the world flock to them each, each summer. Um, very much countries who are focused on, on, on pig production, who eat a lot of pork, who have a lot of pork in the restaurants. So, you know, that's, that's another worry. If it goes on into the summer, how, how that will affect things. But so, so to jump- China is what we're focusing on and hoping for.
1: So kind of jump towards the, the topic around uh, COVID and ASF what preventative measures can pork producers be taking to minimize the impact of COVID-19 on their farms?
2: Well, I suppose it's very much uh, an individual, uh, you have to look at it case by case, you know, per individual farm, because what will work on one farm will not work on another. And for example, some measures that we've introduced here on our own farm is that, you know, we're very worried about our staff becoming infected. And, and that is what Uh, every farmer should be worried about because if your staff member gets sick and has to stay self-isolation, like where are you going to get a temporary worker from? Uh, If you have um, someone on farm who infects more staff members, if everyone's going to get infected, you're going to have a serious health and welfare issue with your pigs because you're not going to have anyone to care for them. So what you need to be able to do is to prevent it coming in and ensure you have the procedures in place there to, to know that it's, that, it's, uh, that it's not going to come in. And that's, uh, that would mean speaking to your staff individually, making sure that they know the rules um, and, the, and the guidance they should adhere to before they're coming onto the farm. So, for example, I'll just mention here on, on our own farms, what we've done is, for example, we split up our canteens. So where I'm speaking to you now is from the public gallery. And we, we actually have a, a canteen set up here so that um, there's two or three of the staff having their tea breaks and their lunch breaks up here. So they're not down in the main canteen with, with more of the staff getting in close contact. So we're able to maintain that two-metre social distance between them all so that they're still not coming in contact with each other. Um, also very important that we have hand sanitizer for them or disinfectant spray so that when they're finished using this area that they clean it down afterwards. And that's very much the case in, in the likes of our computer rooms and in our mill, where um, a lot of the staff will have to go to. We have a rule now where only, we're, we're only allowing one member of staff into our mill or computer room at any one time. So if there's someone in there, you wait until that person is finished, and they leave, and then you go in. So after you, you're using that area or with the computer you're using, wipe that down with disinfectant spray. Um and also, it's it's important as well to to make sure you're aware of the individual um, the individual situations that your staff have. For example, they might be at home with someone who ha- has a compromised immune system. You know, someone who is elderly. And um, so you need to be aware of that and to have have measures in place. Um, another thing, now it's not something that we've done here, but it can be applied in in certain circumstances. Is if you're able to split. Um, the shift for your staff. For example, you might be able to get some of them to work in the morning, and get some of them to work uh, in the evening, or you could split it by night, by night and daytime, or something like that. But you just have to ensure that they are staying apart on the on the farm. It's very very hard to do, I know, but you have to think practical and and, and think smart, and just say what what can you do to put these measures in place, because you just you can't. Um, you can't afford to have all your staff sick at home because it's going to have a massive impact on the welfare of your pigs.
1: So what, uh, how has the, the various caregivers and uh, team members, employees taken up those processes? Has it been a fairly seamless transition? Uh, has it been pretty tough? Where, where, where's their mind at?
2: Yeah, I think it, it, has been, it has been quite easy. Um, they all know the dangers because in Ireland, a lot of our farm staff are from Eastern Europe. Um, so our staff here are from Lithuania, Slovakia, um, Romania, and Poland. And they've seen the impact that this virus has had in their countries. And they are quite worried. They're worried for themselves and they're worried for their families as well, especially because they're not at home. You know they're, they're worried about their family. They're in a different country, and they can't see them. So I, I think that has an impact as well. That that, that they are worried. Um, luckily, they are essential workers, farm staff. Um, most, if not um, most, uh, if not everything in Ireland has has certainly closed down. Our grocery stores are open. Um, our banks are closed. Um, hardware shor- stores are closed. Literally, everything is closed except gross your grocery stores. Farms, of course, are still open. We are essential workers. Um, you know, animals need care. So they are lucky that, that they still have their jobs because a lot of people are out of work at the moment um, and they're having to rely on, on the social welfare system in place by the government, the COVID-19 payments to, to get by. Um, but, you know, I suppose another benefit we have is Chagask, which is our Irish national... Um, Agricultural and Food Development Authority. They've put out a lot of guidance to producers as well on on how to manage this, and their advisors are still working. They're on they're working remotely, so they're on the other end of the phone. If we need any help or assistance or advice from them, um, including they have been even even been able to translate um, the COVID nineteen documents into various languages. So that that's very easy for for people who have staff who aren't familiar with English. You know trying to get the message across to them
1: so when looking at especially eastern europe you brought brought up some of those eastern european countries we're 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 really focused on COVID right 19 right now but asf is still an issue and still a concern yeah. so something we need to be aware of uh Certainly. luckily social distancing is probably helping with that too a bit but can yeah, you talk a little bit about the status of asf in europe
2: yeah so in in my role with the irish farmers association that has always been what i've been doing for, for the last two years it seems is asf 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 um, a little bit on welfare as well of course but it's it's mainly been about african swine fever and um, if we're looking at it at the moment the countries that are infected this is in both domestic pigs and in wild boar you have belgium bulgaria estonia greece hungary latvia lithuania poland uh, the Italian island of Sardinia and Slovakia. And within them, when you're looking at domestic pig herds, the the, the biggest, um, the biggest issues there um, would be Bulgaria, Romania, and more recently Poland, Romania and Bulgaria have had a quite a horrid time of it recently. Greece also got their first um, uh, outbreak in domestic pigs in February. And uh, up until I think it was only two weeks ago, a new region in Poland, in Western Poland, had its first infection of domestic pigs, quite a large commercial farm. And, you know, Poland is bordering Germany and we, we rely on, on Germany for so many things. You know, as I mentioned, the Dutch, the Danes, they send a lot of their pigs to Germany to be finished. If anything happens to Germany and the German market, then that's a worry. Uh, they are big producers of pig meat. If the likes of China close their doors to German pig meat when they get infected, well, that's going to cause an, a massive dumping of pig meat on the European market, which will bring down our price again for for for, for quite a while before it gets back up again. Um, so at the moment, it, it's focusing on Poland and, and and keeping it there. But the way that it's spread, it's, it's it's unfortunately it seems inevitable that it will get into Germany at some point. But um, as you've said, the COVID-19, it's, it's a blessing in disguise for ASF because people are not travelling. Um, you know, hunters, the, the wild boar spread is, has been an issue. People are not going out hunting. They're not spreading the virus. People are not bringing uh, infected pig meat across borders because borders are closed. And in Ireland, as we we're an island, an island nation, that's a big focus that we had was on our airports. We had sniffer dogs in Dublin Airport that was sniffing for pig meat. In, in, in luggage of flights coming in from China and from Russia and from other countries. So with these flights stopped, then you know that, that, that worry, even though it's a very, very small worry, the risk of contaminated and infected pygmy coming into the country and infecting pigs is very low. But at least that's something that we don't have to worry about at the moment.
1: Yeah, no, it's incredible all the different things that uh, have had to be done from a biosecurity perspective to try to limit its spread. Based on what you've seen and your expertise over um, focusing on this over the past couple of years, do you think when it comes to, uh, I'll call it mainland Europe, Mm. that it's just a matter of when as opposed to a matter of if?
2: I think so, yeah, unfortunately, because it is a a disease that's – spread by wild boars we've seen wild boar don't recognize borders and also there's been a human uh, factor as well because that the, the outbreak in belgium has been linked to uh, the belgian army who who were serving abroad and, and brought back infected pig meat and it was discarded in the forest or something like that so we we've seen cases and we've seen examples where the cause of spread was down to humans and that is very very difficult to police um, you know, but there are countries that have very stringent measures in place. Denmark, for example, has, has built a, a fence along the entire border with Germany. Um, and they individually took out every boar, every wild boar in Germany. In, sorry, in Denmark, they got rid of. I was in Denmark in uh, November, I think, October or November. And at that time, they had said that they had only 15 wild boar left in the entire country. So they were getting rid of them one by one. Uh, because that's, that is how important the pig industry is to Denmark. It is their biggest agricultural industry. And as I said, you know, Germany and Poland, they, they're, they're putting a lot of emphasis on the borders there as well. Germany certainly do not want to become infected. Uh, big, big sector in Germany. And again, uh, the Netherlands, uh, Holland, very much the same. Um, but here in Ireland, you know, being an island, that's a big, big advantage we have. But while I think that commercial pig farmers like ourselves, we are well aware of the virus, we know what it is, we know how to keep it out, Uh, we know the dangers. The worry is with people who have backyard pigs, who might have like one or two pigs in their back garden. Because uh, under Irish legislation, if you have one pig, you need to be registered with our Department of Agriculture. You need to have a registered pig herd number. So that the Department of Agriculture or our district veterinary offices know that you exist, know that you have a pig and know that um, they can send you information on African swine fever. So there is a worry that people out there could have pigs and we don't know about them. So that's the worry, is that people uh, could be feeding food waste to pigs, that they could be feeding meat. But then again, you know, the likelihood of infected meat coming in here is is very low. But, you know, it's just a chance you can't take because... As an island nation, as we're reliant on our export market, if we got African swine fever, we would lose our third markets, lose China. That would have a serious impact. And, you know, we would close down overnight, basically.
1: Yeah, the impact of it all would just be, um, it's unfathomable in some some cases, especially if the, the U.S. and Germany and some of these bigger countries got it. It yeah. it would just be devastating um, for for the entire industry. Yeah. Well,
2: I must say so I, f- I am impressed by the biosecurity in North America. Um, like I for Canada, I've been traveling. I go to the Ban Pork Seminar every year, and I go to the Ontario Pork Congress. And on my last couple of visits I mean straight away when I came off the air bridge in Toronto or in Calgary there were signs there about African swine fever as I was going down to customs there was more signs about African swine fever uh, and then at customs I was asked again about pig meats. Um, so I've been impressed by how the Canadians are doing things I think we should all take a leaf out of out of Canada's book because I, I took loads of pictures and I showed it to the authorities here in Ireland I was like look what the Canadians doing we have to do this it's, it's fantastic um, and of course, on, on um, in the U.S., on farms that I've been to, this biosecurity has been so impressive. I've certainly learned a lot about biosecurity from uh, U.S. pig farms that I visited in, 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 in Pennsylvania about a year or two ago. And, you know, so biosecurity standards in the U.S. and in Canada is, is pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, Canada does a really good job with their messaging. And, and ever since PED, the U.S. has really taken a large step forward. And then that was... Uh in many ways enhanced once ASF became a risk. Yeah, so that's it's been pretty pretty cool. From mm-hmm. your perspective, uh, what will success in this industry look like five to 10 years from now?
2: Um, there, there are two things that I think are quite important, and that is welfare and antibiotic use. Uh, because of our links here on the farms with the Truly Irish brand and, and my father being the CEO, as I said, We've always had that direct link with consumers. You know, the products are available in, in the, the major supermarkets or, or the grocery stores here in, in Ireland. So we've always had that direct link with consumers. We do focus groups, consumer focus groups. So we, we know what's coming down the track. And that was very much why we built a farm with with uh, Freedom Farrowing, because... Um, consumers don't like farrowing crates. They don't like the look of them. It's hard for them to understand the benefits of farrowing crates. We know we need them, but it's very hard to get that across to your average consumer. And um, so that's why we built that farm because we we knew that w- higher welfare was coming. And we've seen that now in the rest of Europe. The likes of Denmark has put in legislation. I think it's from 2021, every new uh, pig building in every new sow house or farrowing house in Denmark needs to have Uh, freedom farrowing. So I think welfare is becoming more important. One thing as well we're seeing in terms of welfare in Europe is tails. There's a lot of talk about uh, rearing pigs with intact tails. Very, very difficult, uh, quite a controversial subject. And the Swiss and the Finns are doing it. And I I visited... uh, Pig farms in Finland and Switzerland last year to take a closer look at it, and their their production system is not really comparable with the rest of Europe. And you have to bear in mind that it's taken it's taken them almost 10 to 15 years to get to a stage now where they're successfully rearing um, pigs with intact tails and not having you know excessive outbreaks of tail biting. So I do think that in 10 years' time, a lot of us will be rearing pigs with intact tails. Um, You know, we will certainly have to get there. Um, and it'll take a long time. So in terms of welfare, I can probably see pigs with curly tails and, and being reared in, in systems where the sows aren't as, as confined as they are in a conventional um, in a conventional system. Because of course now in Europe, we've had loose sow housing with, with many, many years now. That be- that became legislation nine years ago in 2011. Um, so that's been in for quite a long time. And then the other thing I can see in the future is antibiotic usage. That is again, another big thing consumers are talking about they're talking about antibiotic-free pork now every every meat is antibiotic-free but of course what they mean is pork or meat that is raised without the use of antibiotics so we're doing a lot of research in that Um, we've successfully managed to rear pigs without antibiotics here by using a natural seaweed-based extract um, and we've had good success with that also in ireland the, um, the Department of Agriculture have an, an, um, an antimicrobial use database. It's called AMU database. So what it is, is on a quarterly basis, we input all our antibiotic usage across farms. So we're able to benchmark our farms against each other um, in order to see how, how we we're going about reducing our antibiotic usage. Um, so, yeah, I think I think in terms of antibiotics and welfare, the two things that will be big in the next 10 years.
1: And if you had one golden nugget for pork producers, or consumers, or individuals that may be listening from the industry, what might that be?
2: I think certainly, and something that I'm a great advocate of is engaging with consumers, being open with them, being honest with them, and explaining to them why why we rear pigs the way we do. Because you know, it's very it's it's a it's a difficult thing, especially in the United Kingdom, in in Great Britain, because they have outdoor pigs as well. Uh, No, we don't have outdoor pigs in Ireland, but they do in the UK. And it's very difficult for farmers to uh, farmers who have indoor pigs in the UK to explain to your average consumer, you know, why their system uh, works just as well. Now, I wouldn't say that uh, outdoor production is higher welfare than indoor production, nor would I say indoor production is higher welfare than outdoor production because they both have their advantages and disadvantages. Um, but I don't think that they should be put up against each other because you can't, they're not comparable. Um, but it's important for us as producers to engage with consumers, to get out there to, to, to um, tell them about the work that we do, providing safe, healthy, nutritious pork for, for people around the world, for, um, uh, you know, because when you're going out engaging with the consumers, there's a lot of advantages to, to that. Um, and it is very important because look, they are consumers. They are eating your your, your products, your pork. They they are eating meat. They they want to know where their food comes from, and that's you're certainly seeing that across many many countries. People are asking questions about their food. They want to know where it comes from. They want to know how sustainable it is. They want to know how how the pigs were reared. So that's that's something I would certainly say to producers: is don't be afraid of of embracing uh engagement with consumers. Don't be afraid of using um, using the likes of social media to reach consumers. Um, of course there are there are negatives of using social media in, in agriculture um but it is very very important and it's a very useful and effective way of, of engaging with your consumers. And equally to consumers I would say ask questions. You know if you're if uh, if you have questions go to a, a pork producer, go ask them about it. Um, because what we want is we want our industry to be honest, open and transparent uh, because it's greater for everyone.
1: Agreed. Transparency is key for success over the next uh, 10 years, I think is a, is a very important message. Um, and uh, I really want to thank you for taking the time to no share problem. your story and expertise with us today.
2: Thank you, Matthew. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of Popular Pig. We aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests. Therefore, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com and subscribe to receive updates when new episodes are available. Today's episode is brought to you by sponsors like... Swinetech Leverage the power of computer vision, voice recognition, and real-time behavioral monitoring to reduce mortalities and labor inefficiencies in the farrowing house. For more information, visit swinetechnologies.com.